When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Reality Radio for a really great future. We're talking real money. Maybe the world is finally getting back to something more akin to normalcy, at least my world, which makes me very excited. You know, I just love, 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 love doing these podcasts. I really do. It's the best part of my day. Well, this and doing the short stories I do over at Lit Reading. That's also the best part of my day. But uh, I do <laughs> I do enjoy working, and I really do enjoy helping you out. So I am so glad that we have gotten a ton of questions called in to 855-935-TALK or recorded at TalkingRealMoney.com on the contact form. I love it. So many other voices added in to the show. And I think it makes it more fun. Plus, we get to talk about some of the things that are impacting you, and they're probably impacting somebody else just like you. So it's important that you call us with your questions at 855-935-TALK or send them in at TalkingRealMoney.com. Or if they're really complex, and I know this is one of those, like, I don't know, you don't really do this yet. We really do do this. We will, we will make our advisors available to you, and they will not charge you for a short meeting, nor will they pressure you into becoming a client. We don't do that stuff. Other firms may, but we don't, and we never will as far as, well, as long as I'm here. As long as I'm here, we're not going to do that. So uh, go to vestry.com if you want to set up an appointment for that or call our business number, which is Vestry by Appella, and that's 800-386-3004. But the 24-7 number for your questions, 855-935-TALK. And that is where we begin today with this question. Hi, Don. This is Rusty from Tacoma. Hey, uh, my wife and I have been 100% in stock funds in our, um, our retirement accounts, well, forever. And uh, now that we're both nearing retirement, I'm wrestling with the idea of, of of owning a bond fund so my idea was to take a to own a bond fund in our brokerage account and and let our and then fund that out of the our annual rebalancing of our stock funds like you know whichever one's up take the money out of that and then put it in the the bond fund in the taxable brokerage account is that is that a good idea or a bad idea? There's probably some tax consequences that I'm not sure about. So that's basically it. Bye, Michelle. I enjoyed the heck out of retirement, too. And thanks for joining us at retirement. We love it, too. Thanks. I don't believe, and Tom doesn't believe either, that bonds must be part of a portfolio. It's just that for most people, it's probably a good idea. The reason being is that most people just don't do well when their portfolio falls 
which has actually happened with 100% stock portfolios. As a matter of fact, if it's a very aggressive, focused stock portfolio, you could see gains in the 80-90% arena. Those don't happen very often. But if you have a diversified equity portfolio, U.S. international, you know, small value, little real estate tossed in, all that, then then your, your, your worst case is probably about 50%. Maybe. Pretty sure. That's the way it's been. But if you want to add bonds, great idea. And it's a great idea to do it the way you're calculating, the way you're looking at doing it, the way you're planning. Uh, yeah, put it in the brokerage account. Yes, there is a tax ramification for that because any income is taxable at your bracket but it's great to keep the money that can make you more money in your tax deferred accounts because you don't want to pay big capital gains distributions uh, and and the like Uh, and to fund it from your rebalancing that's one of the ways we suggest properly balancing a portfolio i would suggest you go take our risk quiz at talkingrealmoney.com just to make sure you know what percentage of your portfolio probably ought to be in bonds and go from there and thanks for listening and thanks for calling next up is also another phone call to 855-935-TALK hey uh i lost money in kathy wood arcs funds uh so is it a good idea to keep holding or sell and buy something else thank you so much I'm going to assume you're talking about the ARK Innovation ETF, which is A-R-K-K. And if you're a regular listener, you know we've talked quite a bit about A-R-K-K. It was hot, and then it was not. And that's the way this kind of fund works. Some people, if they timed it perfectly, like they got in, oh, let me just pull the chart up because I I don't want to get this wrong. Let me pull up the ARC chart. If, let's go out to, yeah, let's go out long term. If you got in back in 2020 and you got out in early 2021, you made 300% on your money. But, was that from there? No, that's not about right. You made about 200 and some odd percent. But if you got in in 2020 and you hung on until now, well, your gain is meager. It's uh, all of, let's see, that was about $48. And now, no, that's, I'm sorry, you would have lost money. <laughs> no, let's see, if you bought it, yeah, 40, 48 I got to check the price again. Just make sure the close was, oh, no, no. The close was uh, 44, and then today it's at, yeah, about the same. You would have ended up just about breaking even. The average annual return for ARKK has been about 10% per year. So your question is, should you stay or should you go? Well, it depends on how much you like incredible volatility and how much risk you're willing to take. Let me just give you something to compare it to. Standard deviation is the way we measure volatility with securities. And the standard deviation over the last five years for ARKK has been about 38. Just to give you a frame of reference, the Vanguard Total World Stock Index Fund, which is all the stocks in the world, that costs, it costs one, 
tenth of what the uh, the ARC fund costs, and its volatility over the same five year period was sixteen point six versus thirty eight and change. That means that the ARC fund is more than twice as volatile. So you would expect to be rewarded for that volatility, but the reality is, unless you've been a very good market timer, which we don't believe anybody can be, you've not done well enough to justify either the fees or the risk. So if, if I had mistakenly gotten into it, because I never would have gotten into it, I, I, I've heard about this fund for years, I would not still be in it. I would be out. And you know, it could turn around and go right straight up when you get out. That's the game. But I don't want to play that game. I want to just own the market. I want the return the market gives me. I don't want to be greedy because when you get greedy, you can also get hurt. You probably will at some point get hurt like you have with ARKK. Thank you very much for the call. Let's do another call in. Hi, guys. Love your show as usual. Uh, this is Dave. I'm retired, 67, or 76 years old. How soon they forget. Um, I was looking into an additional investment in real estate. I own and manage my own properties in the Salem area. So uh, no problem with regular investing in real estate. But I've recently been introduced to Crowd Street privately managed accounts and they say you can uh, review deals and invest on your own or if you'd like more personalized professionally managed approach we offer privately managed account services which I think is probably a passive investment so um, this is money that I don't really need I'm just looking to maybe diversify my uh, my portfolio a little bit. What do you think about these folks? Can you tell me anything one way or the other regarding Crowd Street uh, funding? Thanks. Again, we're looking forward to uh, continue to continuing to to listen to your show. Really love it. Thanks. Well, you may have very well been a good real estate investor in the past because you ran it as a business, and and we're. We're not against that. We're not against investing in real estate as a business. We're just against investing in risky projects that are one of the problems with real estate is that it is illiquid. And by the way, CrowdStreet is very illiquid. It's hard to get your money out. The fees are large when compared with publicly available products that are easy to get into, like RE, like real estate investment trusts, very expensive. And uh, I think you, if you don't have real estate in your portfolio, then the best way to get it is to get it through a uh, product like the Vanguard Real Estate ETF, which is VNQ, which has tiny little expenses. I mean, it's like, what is the, it's 0.12%, whereas CrowdStreet can be two and a half and you have Ill illiquidity and you have a potentially very high level of risk in a dramatic real estate downturn i if if i had re if i well i do have money in real estate i got a real estate etf i'm willing to to lose and plus i have a house 
which is a big real estate investment. I don't want any more real estate than that. I don't want to overweight real estate because real estate doesn't always make people a lot of money, despite the fact that that's what our parents and our grandparents told us. That's only because it has kept up with inflation reasonably well. But that's all. National, and you'll always have your anecdotes. Well, I bought a house in Los Angeles and look what it's done. Well, yeah, but what about the house in Topeka, Kansas that's been flat or in Ohio? So for Detroit, you want to see a market that that has gone straight down. If you bought a house 100 years ago in Detroit, you probably paid more in real dollars than you would today. So you made no money over 100 years. I would steer clear of this. It's just too risky and it's too expensive. But thank you very much for the call and thanks for listening and continuing to do so. Next, we're going to switch over to questions that came in from TalkingRealMoney.com. You go to the contact form there, you click on the microphone, you record your questions, and they sound pretty good, well, kind of like this. Hi, Don and Tom. I have a question regarding 401k. My dad is age 70 and he's working part-time contributing to a 401k, traditional 401k. Will he be penalized for withdrawing the money if he needs it in an emergency? Thanks for your help. Bye. Oh my gosh. It's not often that I can answer a question with one word. This is it. This is the question. I think I can call it a career now. I've got my one word question. The answer? No. 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 Turned it into three words. No. No penalty because he's over 59 and a half. The only thing you, it's not a penalty. It's what everybody would pay. If he wants to take money out of his 401k, he will pay taxes. That's it. Taxes. That was fast. Here's another question from TalkingRealMoney.com. Hi, this is Joe. I had two questions about uh, two companies, if they were fiduciary or not. Uh, A coworker's mom was using uh, Edward Jones, and I had read that they had high fees. So I recommended a local place, Bolin Wealth Management, B-O-L-L-I-N, out of Perrysburg, Ohio. I looked up their FINRA brochure too and they looked like they were a fee only um they had some initiation fees which i don't know if those are appropriate or not but uh everything seemed to be up front and then uh an acquaintance also uh, that i know was using ubs wealth management and when i looked them up i they their brochure was kind of confusing and uh, they seemed to be more of a commission based, but I wasn't quite sure they were commission or are commission based possibly. Um, so there might be some conflicts of interest there. I was just hoping to get your comments on uh, Bolin Wealth and UBS Wealth Management if they're fiduciaries. Um, thank you. Take care. We believe the key question when shopping for an advisor is are you always, 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 that's the word, are you always required to act as a fiduciary to me, your client? Are you always required to? 
Or are there circumstances under which you can give me non-fiduciary advice like selling me an annuity or a commissioned mutual fund or an inappropriate product but that's merely suitable for me? If you're not always a fiduciary, you don't always have to give the best advice. You can just give advice. That's the question. And one of the ways you can determine that is to find out if the company is also a broker-dealer or is licensed to, and or is licensed to sell insurance. Ed Jones, Edward Jones, is a broker-dealer. Can their advisors act as fiduciaries if they want to? Sure. Do they all? No, absolutely not. We've looked at too many of their statements to, to, to believe that for even a half a second. UBS, broker-dealer. Broker-dealer in a bank which is a double whammy, in my opinion, against them. So no, UBS, not always required to act as a fiduciary. Bolin Wealth Management, a tiny, tiny, tiny little firm out of Ohio. Perrysburg, Ohio. I looked him up. It's one guy, Phil Bolin. Uh, he was at, and there are a lot of these. There are a lot of these in the uh, small advisory space. He was an engineer. An electrical engineer, I think. Uh, let me double check. Yeah, electrical engineer. Um, originally. And then he went and got his CFP, Certified Financial Planner designation. And he started a little firm, and it's very little. He uh, manages $50 million. Not much. He's also a guy who went to work for UBS for a while, but I think, reading his, his ADV, I think he found religion with what we call modern portfolio theory, which is the belief that you cannot beat the markets, that everything that you that, that can be known is known. There are no secrets unless they're illegal secrets. There's no special trick to winning. So it looks like, from his ADV, that uh, this is something that he... He did. He went to work for another firm, and then he started his own. Now, the only problem I have with Phil and his company is that his fees start at just a little bit too much. Now, this is an example of an easy-to-read ADV Part 2 form, Phil's. Good job, because they shouldn't be long. And as you said, the one you looked at from UBS was confusing. Yeah, that's, that's purposeful. That's, that's the design. They don't want you to know. I bet their fees and compensation start at a double-digit page number, whereas Phil's is on page six. But it is my my one beef, and I understand why he's doing it, because he's small. But remember, it's also negotiable. He charges one and a quarter percent under two hundred and fifty thousand, one point one percent over two hundred and fifty thousand, and one percent up to a million. That's okay. That's okay. Just to put that in perspective, we charge at Vestory by Appella 1% up to a million. There's no 1.25. It's 1% up to a million. And then I believe it is half a percent for everything over a million. He doesn't get to half a percent until you've hit $8 million. So what I would suggest, these fees are negotiable. If anyone is considering working with someone like this, I would suggest asking that the fee be lowered to 1% on the first million dollars and then 
half a percent on everything above that. It's unlikely that he will turn down that client request. And as for the minimum, that's for a different kind of program. That's for their retainer financial planning, which is a different kind of what they're doing is they're managing your whole life. So they charge you based on your net assets. So there's a startup fee. Uh, If your net assets are uh, up to a million bucks, it was $1,800, then a monthly fee that doesn't, isn't based on assets. It's just based on the size. Your monthly fee goes up as your net worth gets bigger. Now, he does have a, a retainer, it looks like, that it, when they want $500 up front, but that's based on the fees that they're going to get in the future. But I think if you can get them down to 1% on a million, they look good. They, they look good. And again, he claims he uses modern portfolio theory. I have no reason to doubt him. I have no reason to doubt his ADV because he looks sincere. It looks like a very sincere ADV part two. So would I feel good about at least exploring a relationship? I would. I would. Thank you for that question. I appreciate it. Let's do one more, shall we, before we call it a Q&A day? Hi, Tom and Don. This is Steve from Seattle. Long-time listener. I'm 65, retired, with a pension, so I have no immediate need to withdraw funds from either my Vanguard, Roth, or my Vanguard IRA. I'll leave the IRA alone until I have to start taking RMDs in six or seven years. I have taken your risk quiz, and I'm comfortable with a 60-40 allocation. I have the same allocation for both the Roth and the IRA. In stocks, I have 30% in U.S. VTI, 20% in international, VXUS, 5% in small cap value, VBR, and 5% in Vanguard's REIT, VNQ. In bonds, I have 25% in U.S., BND, and 15% in international, BNDX. Does that seem reasonable to you, or would you suggest tweaking those percentages? If it matters, there's about 1.5 mil in the IRA and 500K in the Roth. Thanks for any suggestions. I really don't have any, any beef with what you're doing with your portfolio. It's pretty darn close to what we would do. The only difference is I would suggest that your equity, your, 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 that you have 30% in U.S. and 30% in international rather than 40 and 20 that's that's the only minor change I would make. Otherwise, I'm, I'm thrilled with what I see there. And if you keep rebalancing it, I don't see why you shouldn't be very happy with the long-term outcome. I think this looks great. I really do. Thank you all so much for your questions. I really do appreciate them. And please, if you have questions and you don't want them answered in this format where we answer them on a future podcast but you want to actually talk to one of us or both of us, every Saturday we do a live show on the radio in Seattle and we take questions from people all over the country. You can listen to it anywhere in the country because of the internet. Just find Talking Real Money on Saturday or Northwest News Radio in Seattle. But you can call tomorrow. You can call on every Saturday from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern. That's noon to 2 on the West Coast. 
And you can call the same number, 855-935-TALK, because we patch that over to the radio station. And we can have an actual conversation, which is a lot of fun because it's a conversation. We, I can ask you questions, and we can change things and mix things up. So please do that tomorrow because I'll be doing the show alone. Tom is on his Lake Chelan vacation, his annual Lake Chelan vacation. So it's just you and me, folks, on a Saturday. So call 855-935-TALK every Saturday, 3 to 5, Eastern Time, noon to 2 pacific time and again if you want more help you want more complex help we will give you for free some time with one of our advisors without an obligation at all none without any cost without any high pressure sales pitch none we want to help everybody because we'd rather you do this yourself and not mess it up than hire somebody who is going to possibly mess it up and cost you a lot of money in the process so save yourself both time and money. And I'll add a third one, trouble, concern, for, consternation. <sighs> Let's see, anything else I need to do? No, I got to get out of here. I got to edit this thing together, make a podcast for you so that I can be back tomorrow on the radio and then in a podcast, hanging out with all of you, talking real money. We hope you realize that the information provided on Talking Real Money is for informational, educational, and hopefully enjoyable purposes only. Providing personalized financial planning or investing advice takes time, so please consult with a really good fee-only fiduciary investment, tax, or legal advisor. We know a good one. Investing must always involve risk. In other words, you can and probably will lose money at times. Also, as much as you want it, no one can accurately and consistently predict the future, so past performance doesn't tell you a darn thing about what the future will bring. Unlike many other programs that say something similar, Talking Real Money is not trying to get you to buy or sell any financial products or securities. Instead, the program is provided as a public service by Appella Capital, a fee-only registered investment advisor. Thanks for listening and please visit TalkingRealMoney.com for more information and disclosures. And to keep the lawyers happy.